Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. And I loved him too, man. I thought yeah. Jesus Navas was a, would have been a great buy for Madrid, but I guess But he, I, he wouldn't know. go because he, he was so home. He suffered from crippling homesickness. Oh, and, man. I just want to give him yeah. a hug now. Welcome to the Managing Madrid podcast today. It is a very overcast day in D.C. It is the evening, so I'm sitting here sipping a little bit of grappa uh, because I've just had a long day of finals. And joining me from New York, hopefully not really you know, starting to drink at this point because you don't have finals, is uh, Josh Zeitlin from New York. Josh, how's it going? Hi, Gabe. No, I'm, uh, I just got home. I'm not drunk yet, but you know, there's, there's still time. <laughs> There's, There's still time, time the ladies and gentlemen, and this would not be the first time that alcohol has been consumed while recording this podcast. In fact, we've done it even on video, so there's videographic evidence of me downing a couple Heinekens, if anyone wants to go look that well, one up. It, That's it, on YouTube. It, it does make, you know, the podcasting flow a little easier, you know. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I have this bottle of grappa. I finished off a uh, good paper today. I'm, I'm looking forward to the rest of finals. No, I'm not. I'm not looking forward to the rest of it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it being done and graduating and going back to live in New York where I'm headed uh, after law school here. So, Josh, it has been a hell of a week for Real Madrid. Uh, Real Pretty Madrid good. won Atletico Madrid zero in the championship in the Champions League. Real Madrid progresses on to the semifinals where we will face Juventus, a classic European matchup that is just absolutely scintillating. The other semifinal is Barca versus Bayern. Bayern um, coming back against, Por- against Porto, uh, um, coming back over 3-1 deficit in the first leg to win a uh, tremendously large margin in the end by scoring nine goals. So that's uh, kind of ridiculous. And Barca kind of doing their thing against a weaker opposition. So... And then uh, this weekend, Real Madrid for uh, Celta Vigo 2 uh, in a really intense back-and-forth game that was, you know, it wasn't a great Real Madrid game, right? But it was a really, really it fun game to watch. 
very exciting to watch. And I think, you know, one of those classic games that you say, this is why La Liga is so great. You know, can you imagine uh, a team with the kind of resources that Delta has in England playing like that? No. I mean, they were stroking the ball around. Technically, they were making their passes, you know, 30-yard, perfectly placed, precise passes. They were moving it quickly. They were pressing super hard. Uh, it was definitely exciting, and they made life hard, really, really difficult. Playing hard in front of a really, really good crowd up there in Vigo, that's a, uh, that's a hell of a stadium, yeah. and it's not an easy one to play in. So at the end of the day, Madrid is this, a right. brutal place to go. And Bar- you remember Barcelona almost lost there. Uh, well, they, they ended up winning 1-0, but that was a very fortunate uh, result. So, you know, it was certainly a place where you could see us having dropped points, and it was uh, it was an important uh, hurdle to pass in this really difficult group of domestic victors that we have coming up. But guess what? I think that everyone wants to hear us talk about the uh, Atletico game, Real Madrid getting the first victory against Atletico Madrid all season. Josh, we don't always beat Atletico, but when we do, it is in the most important moments in the season. <laughs> well, it's certainly in the Champions League. I mean, I think that uh, that's the competition that Real Madrid sees as defining the club, that sees as defining itself. We certainly have more confidence, more experience in that competition and in that format than, uh, than do Atleti. And, I, you know, I think that it's interesting, though, because we were really, you know, they had seemed to figure out a way to beat us pretty consistently. And here we come in with a bunch of key starting players out, uh, a sort of disfavorable result from the first leg, and we think all they have to do is do their game plan. They have to get one goal off a set piece, and it all comes crumbling down. And yet, you know, I think that they're going to look back on it and think that they could have been a little more adventurous. I mean, they really sat back, just defended it, and allowed Real Madrid to control the game. Which is pretty um, shocking if you think about the way that Madrid lined up, which which was kind of a it was definitely you know a four four two or a four three three. But if you but considering that you put Sergio Ramos in midfield, what it really looked like was that Madrid had four defensive backs with one super deep lying defensive midfielder who is essentially just another defender playing in front of them. Atletico well, should have been able to to control the ball a little bit more against that that lineup. You would think. What was interesting was that uh, we had discussed before the game that we thought Pepe would be the one playing in midfield uh, like he did in, in Barcelona because we had seen um, in, in the Clásico, I think, last year Sergio Ramos playing in, in midfield at the base of the midfield three, and that really, really didn't work. So, But what ended up happening is he was actually played on the right side of the midfield three, a totally different midfield position, which was very interesting. Uh, and actually, I think worked spectacularly well. And maybe it was that kind of uh, steel in midfield that we've lacked, and that allowed us to really control the game against them. I mean, I don't think he always made the correct pass, but his aggression and his defensive noob covering that right side was really important, especially when Carvajal is making those really aggressive driving runs. Um, but. You know, we had dominated possession, I think, in a way, and, and controlled the midfield in a way that we hadn't controlled it against them. And controlled uh, just the, maybe in, that, in that first leg. Exactly, and controlled just the, the overall flow of the game in a way that, I, I gotta tell you, I just didn't expect coming into a match with, you know, three or four of the top 
eleven out of the out of the you know out of the lineup. It just didn't it didn't come you know it just didn't expect it. No one expected right. it. And and the truth is that uh you know Carlo Ancelotti has to take most of the praise for that. That was a stroke of genius putting Sergio Ramos in the midfield. I think. Uh, and yeah, I think it's certainly the most risky move that he made. I mean, if there's anything that people, if we hadn't worked out, you know, what would people have castigated him for? It would have oh, been that. Everything, it was right? a brave. Yeah. It was a brave move, and one that I think was really unexpected. And in fact, the funniest thing was that he didn't tell anyone. Even his own teammates didn't know that that was going to happen until until the game. Well, and with a notoriously leaky Real Madrid uh, dressing room. Or at least yeah. with leaky people that Real Madrid uh, players are friends with, you would imagine if you really did want to want to kind of keep that one under the vest, uh, right? You know? Except you would imagine that um, that they would need to train with him in that position. So it's sort of a curious move. Uh, it seems to have worked rather well, um, and indeed, you know, most of the action was wasn't was on that right side. So it's a sort of an interesting move. So I mean. Atleti really only were restricted to about one important shot. They had two shots total on goal. Um, and one of them was the Koke header, which I think was a very good chance that he didn't seem to know was happening to him, so he didn't put a very serious No, But they basically didn't have any chances in the entire game. That, that was the one that you kind of drew in your breath. Um, whereas Real Madrid right. had a, a, a bevy of chances, you know, especially if you look across the two legs, um, you know, could easily have won it in the in the first leg. Oblak made one or two really really good stops, and three or four. You know, I think we have to at least sit saves. back and say and, and, and congratulate Atleti on locking down Oblak because it just doesn't even seem like they've had a drop off in the in the caliber of their keeper. I mean, like, look. What's interesting you, is they played Moya for the first half of the season. We all thought Oblak's coming in to take that seat, and Moya is this veteran keeper, and they've both played incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, what I, I, to be honest, what it showed me was how you know you do, you know you know you notice uh, why you know you notice when you have a subpar keeper, but. You know the 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 median level of top level keeper is actually hard. Like it's hard to distinguish. Like you know, right? That uh, uh, you know that uh, you know when you're having when you've got a player like Courtois or like uh, uh, you know who Byron's keeper uh, Neuer Neuer, right? And so you ha- you know when you have that kind of keeper, and it's actually a big difference, right? But actually, when you're looking at a, at a situation where you have a mediocre keeper and you're trying to change, like uh, seeing a difference between the, that level, the keeper is one of the most easily replaced positions on the pitch. And I think that's one of the things that we forget about. And it's another thing that we keep, you know, it's another thing you know that's very clear to me is we see it a lot with Real Madrid that we keep having issues at the keeping position, and I don't really understand why, because it seems like this keeper, we should be able to find a keeper that doesn't, you know, make mistakes all the time. That I know, okay, Yeah, I, well, gonna, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you. I actually do think that the keeper makes a big difference in the sense that what we've come toward in the last, say, 10 years is a changing of the keeping position to be more about distribution. And that can make a really big difference. I mean, for a team like Barcelona or Dortmund that you know, relies a lot on distribution out of the back. Um, having a keeper who's good with his feet, 
who distributes the ball well, who distributes the ball efficiently. Or, or at Atleti, having a, a keeper who's really dominant in the air is, it seems to be very important to them. So there are definitely characteristics that I think uh, make a difference stylistically to the team. I totally agree with you, though. I mean, it, it is really quite frustrating to see every single game Casillas making an error of some kind, sometimes punished, sometimes not. Um, for me, once again, I find it frustrating because we have this great keeper on the bench who doesn't seem to be getting a chance, not for any reason of merit, but because he happens not to be Spanish. He happens not to be Casillas. Um, but there are certainly many other people who we could have brought in, you know, who would have been, who would have done the job. I mean, look, look at, at over, the end of the day, at the end of the day. Look in La Liga. Right. I mean, uh, Atleti have two keepers who are, you know, top class. Uh, Barcelona have two keepers who are top class. Um, Kiko Casilla over at, uh, over at Espanol. I mean, there are a lot of keepers in, just in La Liga alone who could do the job and aren't making horrible errors week in and week out. <laughs> I, I, I feel like we're Dude, just you know we're going to get slammed for this. that, right? You know, we're just going to slam. Uh, but we, I say this every week. This is going to be Lucas week, giving Hamas too low a rating uh, 2.0. Oh, my God. <laughs> Can we just talk about that for a second? People just... They want these player ratings, but no matter what the player ratings are, they think that they were somehow evidence of deep bias against one player or another because they didn't put the exact ratings that you wanted. Like, do people not realize that the ratings are subjective? We don't have like a a, a rubric that people there's assign not, based on. Right, there's I mean, not a like numerical rubric that you give. Right. Like, Luka, theoretically, a five is a neutral value, right? Like, right. halfway between Just because we have tremendous and, grade inflation in the United States, right? right exactly. Where eight is a bad grade in most right. cases. They, they want everyone to right. get seven or above because that's like a C+. Plus. <laughs> but, like, you know, that's not a very useful classification <laughs> scheme. You know, all, all you have to distinguish the players is six, seven, eight, Nine, maybe ten, right? Right, and then you uh, could. Whereas, if you use the whole scale, then you can really give people an idea of what you thought about the player. Right, right. I mean, um, I, it, and we is... should move towards just like a narrative description of what you thought. <laughs> like we were just refused to give grades. Yeah, no okay. more numerical values. Right. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. <laughs> I mean, it just reminds me of the whole caca. You know, oh so, you know, saga over and over again. And any long-time Managing Madrid followers will remember in, I think it was 2011 around, when we were, you know, there was a conversation about whether Kaká would come back and, and, and start over Ozil. And Josh and I were vehemently saying Kaká is not good enough to play for Real Madrid right now. And it was just not, people were not happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a small minority of people who's, you know, Kaká was their favorite player. And I totally understand that no, because Kaká is a fantastic player in his day. He was one of my favorite players to watch. But, you know, there's 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 a certain degree of delusion about, you know, how these players have aged. Right. Um, I also think there's a sort of a disagreement about uh, the difference between supporting the team and being critical of the players, you know, this idea that in order to support the team, you have to support every single one of the players to the maximum degree, right? Which I, I don't really agree with. I mean, I think that right. you're a supporter of the club, and if you think a given player is not performing well, or if you think that they're not right for the club, then then that's something that you should be willing to say. But, I mean, that's just a difference of, uh, of philosophy. But at some, some level, you know, why would you come to a site just to read people 
say nice things about Real Madrid. I mean, maybe that is what people want. I don't know. But I, I'm not sure. Well, that's never the that was never our intent with this website. Yeah, and, uh, it was never. It's not Lucas's intent on how to run it. And you know, look, we. It, you know, I think that one of the great things that the SB Nation model has done is suggest that there really is no way to be unbiased when you're presenting facts about a team, right? Like, I don't, I don't believe, I believe that journalists can watch a game, right, and 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 genuinely not care how they win, you know, what how, how a team does, right? How how like whether there's a win or not. But at the end of the day, you're going to be making subjective determinations. There's no such thing as being objective and you know sitting there and not saying, well, I particularly enjoy this type of play more than another type of play. You always are making that determination. So if you just factor in team loyalty as well, that's what we've tried to do with managing Madrid. I mean, no one's no one is hiding that we're all fans of this club, right? No one is right. pretending that that this is some sort of objective thing. You know, this isn't the New York Times, and even the New York Times, is my argument, wouldn't be able to present an objective, non-biased, on some level, view of what the proceedings of a game. It's somebody's opinion. Right, but if you look at, like, Sid Lowe's column for The Guardian, you get people accusing him one week of being biased towards Real Madrid, and the next week accusing him of being biased towards Barcelona. Somehow you never get anyone accusing him of being biased toward Real Sociedad, but, you know, there you go. But, in fact... He has admitted that he is, in fact, a Real Oviedo fan. So uh, it, it's just like he's just writing how how he sees it. And, and yet people see bias each way, depending on whether he agrees with their assessment or not. And, you know, I think part of being a sports fan is being, like, a little unreasonable. Like, that's part of what makes sports so great, is that you get to be just totally bullheaded and love your team with all your heart and not care about what anyone else, like, exactly. reality or what anyone else says about it but at the same time you know we're all fans of the team here so it's a little bit of um, not appreciating that there's a diversity of, uh, of fan opinions and fan philosophies and you know that's one of the things that makes the community so great and it would be great if if people accepted that the uh, that the writers are people too who don't have like an agenda or anything they're just telling you what they think and they provide you a, a nice forum for you to tell them what you think <laughs> Um, so that would, that would be good if we could just get that one exactly. over with. But, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, at, at some point, uh, uh, you know, people are just going to stop re- preparing these uh, player ratings if the reaction to them is always so um, bitter and <laughs> unpleasant, you know? Like, people are doing this for fun, hug, right? You know? Like, I, just just, just I don't know if people hug. get that, but nobody's getting paid a lot of money here. Well, you know. No one is. You know, we yeah, we just do this for the love of the game. You know, right. love so if the you game. make it really unpleasant, like we'll just not write that kind of column anymore, and then you won't get to enjoy it. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> I mean, look, guys. I just want to go in and just be like, look, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. At the end of the day, it's going to be fine. Like we can yeah. all be unhappy if Madrid loses or whatever, but it's going to be okay. We're going to be all right. <laughs> Right, I mean, yeah, I, I do appreciate the like the difference in the in the comments between the people who are all doom and gloom all the time. No, I like that. No, no, like, no, we're like not... we're, we've lost like everything. Like the the world is collapsing. We'll never win anything again. Right. Um, and then the people who are like, "Come on, guys, just like keep your spirits up as long as we believe like anything is possible." Yeah, no. like that's like the greatest thing ever that you have like both of those kinds of people. But no, it's uh, the, the, what we're talking about are the people that go after Lucas for saying, yeah, yeah. You, "How could you give Casillas a four? He clearly deserved a five. It's like, oh, come on, <laughs> come on." <laughs> or like you only you, 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 you yeah. This the big one is that they can't believe that he mentioned Isco, who's one of the other midfielders, <laughs> when talking about Ames. 
Because clearly there's like some kind of big Isco Hamas controversy in the, in the no, world. I, I, no, no, I'm not, I'm not entertaining that uh, line of questioning. I, right, we're going to okay. move somewhere else because I'm not, I just know more of this. <laughs> you think Isco is a lizard person? Is that why this is all happening? Like or he's Hamas a collaborator with the by, robot apocalypse. Right. That's the other that's the robots are coming, guys. We should just be aware of that. And that's, that's just, that's that. So back to uh, Real Madrid 1-0 Atleti. Right. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think this is an interesting game. No, no, uh, we, we have a lot to talk about in the actual game, right? So the, the I think that yeah. aside from the Ramos in in the center of the midfield, which I think we can both agree was a I think you know a great stroke of genius, uh, kind of knowing that you know he would be able to get, that the Madrid was had enough quality against his Atleti side to actually control the ball even with a player who is not used to controlling the ball in that position of the field in the midfield. Yeah, I mean, I think he came forward and, and and he played reasonably well. I mean, there were some times in possession he looked a little uncomfortable, which is totally understandable. Um, but, you know, as a defender, his distribution from the back is very good. I mean, he's no, known for coming forward with the ball and playing it out. So I, I think he was reasonably comfortable there. And also, uh, on the right side, he could use some of his experience as a right back uh, to good effect, so he was a little bit inside, and you know, he was playing as kind of an interior, you know, as they call it. The uh, so right, but I think that it, more important was his work off the ball because he recovered the ball really well. He charged yeah. down attacks. He provided that um, that steal because if you look at the Atleti lineup. Uh, Nothing you know, about that lineup it, suggests that they were going to drop exactly. back and play so defensively. You got to wonder. At it that was point. the exact opposite. It was. Right. The, it's a. It's a midfield with four technical midfielders. But here's my. Here's what I was thinking when I was watching that game, and it was. It was. It was basically this: that I don't think Simeone had this game plan in mind when he sent his players out of the pitch. I think that was a. That was a thing that the players just did. You know, like I, I don't. I'm not convinced that that was a that was a managerial decision to have them drop back well, that far. I don't know because you look at how they played in the first half and then in the first leg actually, and then if you look how they played in the second, it kind of seemed like they were just assuming that. And we talked about this in the podcast before the match. You know, we thought there are kind of two ways that they could go about it, and one of them was to sort of assume that at some point they would get either a break. Or a uh, or a set piece, and then they would score. Um, I think maybe the addition of Sergio Ramos into the midfield because it means that Real Madrid was so much stronger on set pieces, uh, and the addition of Quintrao, who actually played quite well. Yeah, I thought so too. Uh, but Quintrao is, is not terrible in the air; he's not great, but. But the, the the ability to play all three center backs, you know, first choice center backs, and Cristiano Ronaldo, that means you have four of the best headers of the ball, you know, in, in on the roster, right. on the roster, and in, 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 in the country, uh, on the field at protecting at set pieces and attacking at, at offensive set pieces, and you saw their greatest strength kind of taken away from them because yeah, it's very they didn't true. threaten once from a corner, no, not one time, not one time. And if you look at how they brought in um, Jesus Gomez, whose strength, you know, he's not quite as good as Gabi, so it was sort of an unusual move. But right. he's very good at long throws, and I think that that's why he was brought in. And even those. You know, because he was throwing them into this pile of great aerial players, um, you know, it, Casillas didn't didn't get exposed 
as the poor aerial uh, uh, taker of the ball that he is, you know, which is usually such a problem for him against Atleti. Uh, because they whip in these really dangerous balls. So I thought that was really the key move, both on defense and in, in attack. But, you I know, agree. Real Madrid did labor to, to break down that defense. Um, you know, the, the goal came only in, what, the 87th minute. Uh, so it could have well gone extra time. But by the time Arda Turan was sent off, uh, which we should probably talk about, yeah, no, that was the next point. So we, we have yeah. to chat about that. Uh, obviously, the first yellow card was a yellow card. It was a single right. tackle on Kroos, and uh, I think we, we you know it was a, it was a it was a yellow card. So we don't discuss that one. The second, the second one, one was also. A and so here's all right, this is what I thought when I was watching it. Um, it's a it's a tough play because he didn't hit Ramos that hard, and Ramos goes down. But he did come in with his cleat up, uh, and he was coming in with the cleat up at knee level, and. I just I just find it a really hard thing to to to, to say, you know, given that it, his his foot was positioned where the studs were pointing at Ramos and not the tip of his toe, that it was a hard that that for me is much more indicative of the danger of a tackle uh, than, yeah, so- than just coming in fast with your with your leg up. Like I thought that there there was not intent to injure, but that if there is a collision, that thing is going to crush Ramos. Right, like so it's dangerous one. play is the call, right? Not, right. Uh, not intent to harm. But dangerous, but, no, no, right. The intent to harm is a, is a red card directly. So it was a dangerous right. play. So my analysis of it is, is one, that it was the kind of tackle that he should have known better on a yellow card to make. Okay, So it's always the kind of tackle that you risk getting sent off for. And the analysis that I've heard from people who have more experience with this sort of thing, because this is notoriously kind of hard to interpret, um, is that it is always a yellow card, but maybe it shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. So I agree that I don't really think it is dangerous play because, you know, he's coming across basically to block the ball. They're both kind of playing for the ball, and Ramos can sit away, and he kind of clips his toes. So while I don't really think that that's such a big deal, I, you know, and maybe there should be a discussion about whether that should be a yellow card. The fact of the matter is, it it always is. It, like, it, it really it's is. It's always I, a yellow you know, card. You always get a yellow card for that. And so you're looking at a, you're looking at a play where even if you know, look, all all tackles are a probability gamble. So even if only thirty percent of the time that's the yellow card, that's way too high a percentage for to be sh- throwing yourself in there in this crucial oh, yeah. match. It was very risky play and one that he didn't really need to make uh, because he was essentially pressuring a clearance pretty deep into the Real Madrid half, as I recall. So it, it was a, a very ris- risky tackle and maybe one of those that you can see as being born out of uh, frustration because Real Madrid were doing such a good job of pressuring that midfield and denying them opportunities on the ball. And when they did have the ball, they, they often gave it away or had it stolen from them. I remember Kroos having a couple of great takes and uh, uh, as well as Ramos. So I, I think it's a sort of failure of discipline, which is an, another interesting matter from a Simeone side that has been marked by, you know, what, what are the big hallmarks of their games against us? Uh, sort of being more disciplined and, uh, you know, letting us be the ones getting frustrated from all the niggling tackles. Right. Us make the mistakes. Uh, denying space in the midfield with, you know, high pressure and stacking the midfield. So that didn't happen in this game. Right. And then also being totally dominated at set pieces. 
So those three aspects were kind of broken up. And so there's a question, I think, about whether that's because Real Madrid's game plan denied them that or because they made a choice that was, in the end, misguided to try to hold out until extra time and maybe penalties. I, yeah, I mean... What, I, what do I you thought, think? I, I mean, thought towards the end of the match that it seemed to me that even before... I mean, I don't know, I don't know. I, I was going to say that even before that, it was possible that Atleti had decided that what they were going to do was try to Before play. the red card, that yeah, is. Yeah, 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 that is, before the red card, that they had decided that they were going to try to play a little bit, you know, at this point for penalties. But actually, that's not true because the red card came right after, like right during the period of most dominance, right, for Atleti... Uh, in the match, like, I'm not saying that they were much better, but they were finally creating a little bit of pressure in Madrid's half, uh, and and then the red card came, and then Madrid regained all that stuff. But I thought that you yeah. know, I thought there was possibility that, that that Atleti would try to just kind of wait it out and regroup at, at in the extra time, uh, and then you know that that happened, and then they had to right. Their only option at that yeah. point was for penalties because. Although let's talk about a, a pretty um, what I regard as a bit. Of- big tactical blunder by Simeone, which was uh, taking off Griezmann and putting on, I believe he put on Jimenez for Griezmann, but maybe he put on Jimenez for someone else. But he put on a third central defender before the game was up because he was sort of betting that they could hold out um, and you know not concede a goal before extra time. And right. that backfired on them because A, you know, they ended up ceding essentially the entire territory in front of the goal. Yeah, it was a terrible. It was. I, I think it was a terribly bad mistake. Right. Uh, I mean, Griezmann. Griezmann didn't play particularly well, but he's their outlet man for the counterattack. Exactly. He's, he's and and Mandzukic is only useful when he has someone to head the ball down to that can then yeah. use the pace. Right. Mandzukic. Look, he's great on 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 set pieces also because he's great in the air. But really, what his his strength was, and I think we've seen it many times as Madrid fans playing against this team that has beaten us. Let's remember that many times is that he's great at dropping that ball down on that counterattacking long ball to the person who's in 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 you know. Coming at him in pace, right? right? But Manzukic was also totally isolated. I mean, he was sort of boxed out in this little triangle, and they just cut off all the supply. Yeah, I mean, that was, and I think, and I think that another narrative in this game that I was really interested by was how good Rafael Varane looked over these two legs. I thought he just had Manzukic in his pocket the entire time. Like, it's also very important in countering. Countering Griezmann because he's so fast. Like yeah. Griezmann's prime trait is his unbelievable speed, but Rafael Varane can beat him in a foot race. And you gotta wonder yeah. if if uh, Ancelotti. Here's what here's here's the way this played out in my mind. Car- Carlo goes to the defense and says, "All right, we need to we need to work on coming up with a strategy for this game." And you know we're getting beat in pace and the, by these players. And Rafa goes up to him and is like, "Look, man, I play against this. I practice with him with the French national team." I can beat him in a foot race. Keep me on. Bam. That's how it happened. I, mean, I, I know it's not, but that's just that's definitely how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, and you wonder where does that leave, you know, the back line, right? Are, is is Varane going to sit on the bench? Well, i got to tell you, this is the game? only part of Real Madrid right now. And I know that I, this is another thing that a lot of people are going to be, you know, disagree with me on, right? I think this is the only part of Real Madrid that I feel very comfortable rotating. 
and I think Carlo doesn't rotate because he just doesn't have, like who are we going to rotate with? I guess right, Isco is the only players. player that we rotate with. But I don't think that Jesse. I don't think that. Even, I, and look, we're well, going to get to Chicharito. We're going to get to Celta, Celta right. de Vigo in a second, and we can talk about Ilar Amendi. Uh, and his absolute and look at that right look at, and look at Kadira look, and like maybe people maybe the argument is that if he had rotated from the beginning these players wouldn't have given up but I just don't think that they're giving up I just don't think that they're quite the quality for what Real Madrid need from players right now right for this style that they were brought in with a different style in mind and Kadira especially I think I, I'm just not convinced that he fits into this Real Madrid team uh, no and I think I mean you know at this point we know that he's going I believe to Schalke in the summer I think that there's no question that there's going to be a kind of clear route particularly in midfield and we're going to see some changes in that in that respect now who will come in is another question and it makes you wonder about Lucas Silva right because bringing in a player like that and he wasn't expensive but he wasn't cheap 15 millions not nothing and then to have him be totally invisible and not even be called on above Ilara Mendy in this game against uh, Delta de Vigo, you know, that's concerning, I think. What was the point of bringing him in if he's not even going to be trusted as a kind of third or fourth choice you know, backup midfielder? <laughs> well, I, I, I always thought that one of the things that Madrid hasn't done as well, and I think that we're seeing one of the people that we're seeing a very, do a very good job this team right now is Chelsea, which has a tremendous squad, a loaned out army of players who uh, they, they're working with. And I'm hoping that this Lucas Silva buy wasn't a like buying Lucas Silva for the belief that he's going to contribute right now to Real Madrid. Like I thought he looked okay in the Schalke matches that he played in, and in a couple other ones, but I just thought he looked okay, right? And I think that. Ideally, Madrid starts loaning players out a little bit more and, and, and becomes a little freer with that type of, you know, development model and not just the put them on Real Madrid's bench and have them to be called upon whenever necessary. Right. Although, you know, interestingly enough, um, that is exactly what happened with Chicharito and he seems to have answered the call. So we, it, it requires a, a, a person with a, a lot of professionalism and a lot of... Um, uh, yeah, it's not everybody who can maintain that level of um, concentration and fitness on the bench for game after no, game true. after game and then suddenly be called upon and fly into action. A lot of people need kind of more of a rhythm. That's uh, true. That's definitely true. So let's um let's get to let's get to Well, let's talk about the draw, I guess. Oh yeah, 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 that's a good. Let's talk about the draw. So yeah. We we could have gotten either, you know, either <laughs> Bayern, Barcelona or Juventus. And we wound up with Juventus, which I think was my choice. It was definitely my first mine. choice. Yeah, uh, not because now, I I think that uh, that necessarily they're going to be the easiest team of the bunch for us to beat, but just because I really want one of Bayern or Barca to lose before the final. Right. That's really that's that was my thinking. Right. Although, you know, to some extent. <laughs> That might have happened anyway with with us getting one of them. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is optimal in one respect. In another respect, if you thought that it would be easier to beat one of those teams in two legs, then you might have wanted to not face them in the final. You see what I mean? But because they're both so strong, you right. know, I, I, th- I think this is the best option for us. Um I mean, and it's good for us against Barcelona because you know to have a really really tough draw 
right. in the uh, uh, in the title race is a is a boon. Right. I mean, uh, that being said, well, actually, no, that not that not no, that actually is a good point because if you look at the rest of the Liga calendar, Real Madrid are in a really tough spot, whereas Barcelona aren't, given that they have you know a bunch of bottom of the table teams to play against, and Madrid has Valencia and Sevilla still to come. Yeah, Barca has Atleti, but Madrid has those two. And if Madrid had drawn Bayern, I think that to me it would have been a much you know I would have been consider like at least having a conversation about saying, well, this Liga is uh, is not happening, you know. Yeah. Because because if you have to exert like look I'm not saying Juve won't be full effort right what I'm saying Juve may be tough it depends on on whether they get back some players from injury right, right. like Pause against on. Monaco they looked really poor uh, they couldn't score it was an entirely defensive performance Monaco looked very weak they were the weakest team easily in that stage of the draw right uh, and yet Juve could only put one goal past them in two legs. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to be look. It's, I'm, we're not pretend, like I'm not going to say they I won't be holding Pogba. my breath anytime they get a free kick within right. scoring distance. Like but they were, Pirlo they were missing, is a magician, but they were that, missing so. Pirlo. Pirlo was injured, and no, he as was Pogba in the second game, Pirlo. didn't he? I don't think so. No, I thought so. I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> at any rate, uh, I haven't really been following Juve uh, uh, too much. Uh, so they have Max Allegri as their coach, who ain't exactly. Conte, although he's been proving a lot of people wrong, so right. no one get too cocky. But I, I think certainly, you know, this is no, the no, last no, they, four. They, they, they definitely, definitely Pirlo definitely did score in that game. Yeah, well, I stand corrected. He was injured for the first leg. Right? Yeah, he was injured for the first leg, but he came back for the second. So, but they had a lot of players out, um, and it's not clear. Right. I don't. I don't know the too much about their injury situation. I think, but when it gets time closer to the time of the game, we'll have a better idea of uh, how their squad looks. But they're very far ahead in Serie A, so it's also possible they could run into a kind of uh, Bayern Munich problem where last year Bayern Munich, they won the league super early. Uh, they were, you know, 17 points ahead in the Bundesliga, something like that, which is pretty similar to how it is in, in Serie A with Juventus. Although they haven't and, clinched yet officially because they lost to Torino over the weekend. Uh, okay. So, but I think that. It's probable that they will have clinched by the time that they play. You got to imagine, You're right? You got to so figure that might cause them some problems. I mean, you just don't know. You just don't know what kind of Juve is going to come out and play. But we did play them, you know, at sort of peak strength uh, in the group year. stage last year, and were able to get some good results against them. Results that would have taken us through. In a two-legged tie. So no, no, no. You're right. You're right. And look, I, uh, you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. They're not easy. No one's getting an easy draw in the semifinals look, of the Champions semi- League. Yeah, exactly. It's a semifinal of the Champions League. It's not just that. Juventus also has, you know, historically, and then look, this is a Juventus team that has gone through right the the cheating scandal and all the other things that this team has had to endure. So they're just they're not the same side that they were. But that's it's not, not fun, though. But it's not it's fun, right? Incredible. And I remember a very, very sad little, you know, twelve-year-old Gabe, twelve-year-old, uh, maybe thirteen. I don't remember when they beat us. When in they 97? took us out in the yeah, well, no, no, we beat them in ninety-seven in the final. Oh yes, right. Uh, no, no, when they took us that out was. in the semifinals of the Champions League in I think two thousand three. I think I can't remember which year it was, but it was right around then. And they they are not a fun team to play, so. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. No one is. No one is pretending that this is going to be an easy match. It's just. Uh, right. I think things have definitely changed for them since they were a giant of European football. So this is definitely, though, 
a big deal for them to have reached this stage of the competition after that time in the wilderness. And right. you can bet that they're not going to give it up easily. So right. we're going to have to work at it. And we're, we may very well not have several key players. Um, yeah, it looks like Modric will fitness. not be back for that um, the tie but he could be back for a theoretical final, which is yeah, which is good. But although uh, I think you know, also Karim Benzema may may not make it back for the first leg, uh, which would be concerning. Although, as we'll discuss in a moment, Chicharito has been playing very well. Uh, right, we're gonna have to so, eat a bunch of crow, you know, big blackbird. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember what I said about him. Maybe maybe I said a lot of bad things. I don't really recall. I, no, dude, I remember a podcast where we were sitting here and we were talking about how Madrid brought in Emmanuel Adebayor, and we were really excited about that back in like 2011. And uh, this that Chicharito just isn't up to Adebayor's standards. And uh, I don't remember <laughs> Adebayor doing anything like what Chicharito has done in the last week. So yeah, I think I, we have to we have to eat. A yeah, little bit I mean well. it's two games to be fair, but yeah. No, uh, but we, yes, we exactly. Little... It's two games, but I don't think Adebayor ever affected the, the team as much as that. I just felt confident bringing him in, thinking we weren't going to have a huge drop off in quality. And yeah, I yeah. wasn't. Cons- I, I you know. So now the question is this: Do we go into Chicharito now? I mean, there's not that much to Let's say talk about, about him. Delta de Vigo, or uh, no. well, we have we have a bunch of questions, uh, and so why don't we do ten ten minutes on, on Celta? I don't have that much to say. No, no, not too much on, but, on Celta. Other than uh, it was good, you know, it was important that Madrid may like get this win, especially after that first goal that uh, that, that Celta put back put by us. Um, yeah, some really sloppy defending, I have to say. Uh, very disappointing. <laughs> Not great goalkeeping, I'll say that. Uh, Casillas beaten, uh, came off of his line, which he didn't really need to do, and then didn't get the ball, and then is on the ground <laughs> when the when the ball comes in at the far post uh, for a rebound. So that was a little weird. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a little bit bad defending. I mean, the, the ball just like scything over the defense. Well, so here's right, here's a hilarious thing that we saw today was that Marca published a photo, and I I didn't notice this on the on the on, at the moment of the goal, but apparently Sergio Ramos's shoe had come flying yes. off. Yes, it did. And and he, he was, was not. Limping. He was not in the in the in play during that goal. <laughs> he was he was holding his shoe and walking slowly yeah. back towards the area. A little bit of bad luck. But I thought Madrid uh, <laughs> responded well uh, to going behind and Gross no, banged in a nice goal. I mean, it did come off a little deflection. Ronaldo played very well, actually. Didn't get a goal again. This sort of this weird situation. <laughs> Ronaldo, you know, still playing really well, but not well, scoring. So we have a question on Ronaldo. So we're going yeah. to table it for a little bit. But uh, Hernandez, yeah. so we can talk a little bit about his, I mean, his goal in, in the in – the, Atleti game was basically a tap-in provided by Ronaldo. But yes. his goals against Delta were not tap-ins, and they were very good. So he's definitely showing that he he can uh, he has a lot more confidence now. He He's showing some of the really good finishing ability he had against uh, uh, teams in England when he was playing at Manchester United. And uh, yeah. he hanged in two today. Hamas was excellent, I thought. That'll please some of the people we pissed off. No, 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 Hamas. Okay, I have. I, I got to tell you, I have always been pro Hamas, and I think, you know, I I saw a statistic today that suggests that 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 that, that said that Madrid has won eight out of you know eighty percent of the games that Hamas has started, and only sixty percent without him. Unfortunately, that same statistic cuts against Bale, but I don't think Bale has missed as many games as Hamas has. <laughs> uh, so the sample yes. size issue is a little bit more relevant with him. Uh, but yeah, with Hamas at least, I uh, 
I think this is a different team. I think that he provides something just just fundamental to to this side especially with Modric out. I think that if you looked at sample of games with Modric in and Hamas out, I don't know how many of those there are, but if you looked at that that we'd have a similar result, right? I think that Modric and Hamas pl- pl- bring similar creative qualities to the game. Not the same, right? Modric just allows us to have more yeah. and more power, but Hamas has this 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 offensive magic that just, you know, allows Real Madrid to create Goals like I don't imagine Real Madrid losing four, like winning four to two while Modric is there, but I do real, imagine the same game happening where Madrid wins two to nothing. Does that make sense? Like I think Modric allows Madrid to have a more right. defensive. I, I don't know if I totally agree with you, and I see I see where you're coming from. I I think that Hamas mixes things up a bit in attack, which I find really useful because right. I tend to find. Without Hamas, I thought our attack was very predictable. I thought it was the same kind of balls out to the wingers, especially when you're playing Bale and Ronaldo. Um, you know, the same kind of diagonal balls. Uh, yeah. and just hoping to get past with dribbling. Um, Hamas kind of opens up the whole center, and he plays really, really well in there, and he finds these little pockets of space, and he plays these one-twos, as we've been seeing with Ronaldo, and he plays one-twos with, with Isco, and he plays one-twos with everybody, and he, he just, he finds that, he opens up that space, and then he has a killer shot. I mean, and he's been scoring a non-trivial number of goals, um, <laughs> which is really, really useful for a team that I felt without him had become a little dependent on Ronaldo's goal scoring. I mean, obviously, it's great when Ronaldo banks on like goals, but in the first half of the, of the, of the year, um, you know, in 2015, we were really, really dependent on Ronaldo, and he just wasn't scoring, and that right. was a huge problem. So he banged in another very nice goal uh, today. I mean, just spectacular finishing, just perfectly placed at the bottom corner. Uh, and he kind of reversed it too, like he, the goalkeeper and all the defenders thought he was shooting far post, and he went near post. Yeah, which is sort of a, a thing that I've seen Isco do before, which I quite oh like. yeah, I do too. But uh, talking about Isco, I didn't think he had a spectacular game, but he had some really special moments, particularly this incredible flick that he produced to set up the the third goal. This back heel scoop flick to Ronaldo, and then Ronaldo plays it out to the wing uh, for for Hamas. It was just spectacular. So, you know, um, there there have been some stuff about Isco being unhappy, which I'm sure we'll talk about in the first. We will talk about that in a second. Uh, Uh, So bad defending, but we banged in a lot of goals. So that's something. It was a Yes. Game. Yes. All right. So let's uh, let's let let's, let's let's get back on track. We got a little bit off track here. We're getting a little low energy. That's my fault. I, I admit. I uh, you know it's been a long day. Uh, and I'm now in my third glass of grappa, but grappa is great, and I'm doing it in you know in honor of playing Juventus. I'm drinking the only hard alcohol that I really like to come out of Italy. Sorry, Limoncello. I guess that counts as <laughs> as hard alcohol. But uh, I'm enjoying it, and uh, let's take some questions out because we have some. Unless you have more, do you have more on the Celta game? Because I don't have tons more. I thought that there was a, it was a tremendously bad performance from some of Madrid's players. <laughs> yes. uh, I thought especially Carvajal and Iaramendi were quite bad, horrible, like inexcusably um, bad. But I almost don't want to talk about it because of how annoyed I was watching it. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the <laughs> I'm looking at the uh, the minute by minute report from uh, the Guardian, and uh, because I was trying to find a, a GIF of. Uh, 
um, East Coast little back heel, and uh, one of the the remarks is. It's a poor tackle, but the referee waves play on. Lucky Carvajal, he's had a poor match, and Porto's Danilo, who is due to join Real in the summer, will be watching this with glee. Which is, um, you know, maybe a little vicious. But, uh, yeah, he did not have a good game. But I thought Ilana Mendy was disgracefully bad and really shocking because that midfield should be able to control possession. And yet, you know... Celta, who all due respect are not really a possession team, were stroking the ball around like Barcelona and basically dominated possession against us, which is not what you want to see. <laughs> yeah, I. <sighs> and he completely lost the ball uh, for one of the goals. I mean, just completely lost his man. And then he allowed, or the first goal, and then he allows Nolito to cut right inside him, in between him and Carvajal. So that's on both of them, but. It was not a shielding midfield performance. I like Ilarameni, but I don't know what's going on with him. Right. I'm. Yeah. I. I think. I, I think like he's him. I think he's a good look. Go. I. I really think he's no. He's definitely going to go. Right. No one is. Yeah. No one is saying that that's not true. Or well, maybe he's yeah, going to stay. I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that I. I think he's a good guy. No one. And this is one of the things people forget about some of this is that. I think he's a good guy. I don't think he's a... No one is saying he's a bad he's guy. he's trying hard. He's trying, yeah. you know? I think it's just not... It's not working for him. Whatever he's trying is really not working. I'm disappointed about I really wanted it to work for him. Uh, so, I know. thought... I mean, look, I, I can say that I loved the buy when, 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 yeah. he, when he was acquired. We booked it. But uh, it just clearly has not worked out, which is just... It just happens sometime. I think that we can yeah. remember some famous examples of that. Uh, you know? Every, yeah, I think and, it's just this shade of... Jesus Navas to him, you know, Jesus Navas couldn't play anywhere except for Sevilla for a long time until he was like in his thirties. Right. <laughs> like, and I oh, loved him too, man. I thought Jesus yeah. Navas was a, would have been a great buy for Madrid, but I guess but he, I, he wouldn't know. go because he, he was so home. He suffered from crippling homesickness. Oh and, man. I just want to give him yeah. a hug now. I know you do. So I feel like funny. that might be something that's going on with, with you, and, you know, just yeah. couldn't quite make the transition. And then it just didn't, he didn't get the starting position that he maybe should have been given some games, and he got blamed for some big mistakes that maybe weren't totally his fault. And then suddenly, you know, it all comes crashing down on you. No, exactly. And then exactly. any performance that you get is, like, so stressful by comparison. So uh, it, it's just not a good situation for somebody at, at his level of confidence and at his right. stage of development. Um, so, Josh... Let's take some, some questions. questions. We have a lot of questions. A lot of questions Excellent. this week. I love it. Um, yeah. Uh, so here's a question. Favorite, I, do we start off with the with um, let's start with the with the like the real question? No, let's start with let, let's let's change pace a little bit. Josh, here's a here's a question from our own Boz, and uh, I ah, think this is in ah. a very important very important question that we really need to answer on this podcast right now. Um, and that may be because of any number of reasons that I think that, but I do. So probably because you've been drinking, but possibly, so. and you're definitely going to say that when I read it to you. So, <laughs> who is your favorite boy band and why? Oh, that's These a great the, question, Buzz. It's a really good, a good question. question Buzz. All right, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a bit of a curveball at this one, and I think that we 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 can agree on the definition of no no no. I'm gonna say I okay. I I think we can agree on the definition of boy band does not include. All male rap groups. Okay, so we're, no. we're just putting that aside. Boy band means exactly what you all think it means. All right. So yeah. 
I'm going with Backstreet Boys, and and I'm going to tell you why. I I never liked NSYNC that much when I was younger, and that's the only reason that I have for that. I think that's a totally valid reason for liking one boy band versus another. Yeah, to also, be honest, I can sing, I'm a little fuzzy on which is which, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think I'm going to say Backstreet Boys as well because I can sing. Uh, I want which it one that does way I want it that way? Yeah, yeah I can that's sing. Backstreet I want Boys. it that way. Yeah, I love that song. That that song's great. That's a great song. So, that's a great uh, song. That's my reasoning, and I'm going to stick to it. Yeah, I don't have uh, any other thing to say about oh, it. Oh, I other. do have something to say about this, which is that Stephen Hawking was asked at a uh, at some sort of conference where he was well, I'm appearing. Glad, I'm glad he has. We have his opinion. Public on opinion. This. Uh, he appeared uh, as a hologram, which I think you. Would oh, that's even better. That's good. Uh, from good. Cambridge, good. and he was asked um, what kind of uh, astronomical reverberations the. Uh, Zion Malik leaving One Direction would have uh, for the universe, and you know, with a t- millions of, of fans disappointed in a heartbeat, and he uh, he replied that there were you know an infinite number of possible universes, and in, in some Good. of them, Good. Zion Malik is still in One Direction. But he he said it, he, he treated it very seriously. He was like. That is a very important question. Good. Well, I'm good, really because it that. is important. Because it is important. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it could rip a hole in the space-time continuum. And, right. Uh, I'm sure know. that's exactly why he left One Direction, was that... Uh, it was, was an elaborate was, social experiment? No, I was going to say he was trying to preserve the space-time continuum. Oh, I see. I see. That's you know, a good so, question. So that's a good guy, point. time traveler, came to him from the future, his future self, and told him to leave... Immediately, is it weird guessing. that in in my in my head his future self looks a lot like um, pre like Star Trek in two thousand nine Leonard Nimoy? No, I can see that actually. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why that is. I just <laughs> that's I how I pictured that happening. Uh, all right, let's um <laughs> get back on track here. Uh, so Dan Hill. Daniel Hill at D underscore Hill eighty, uh, who is the one who every week we really appreciate it. Reminds us that we have to do a podcast, so thank you. Uh, <laughs> have you guys been impressed with Real Madrid's grit and toughness this season? I have been sacking Atleti in Champions League was gritty. I gotta tell um, you, man i I think that if that game falls slightly differently. That's not a thing I would feel, and that to me means that the only reason I f- would feel that way is because of the Atleti game. How about you, Josh? Yeah, I didn't think that was a game about grit and toughness, actually. Um, there are certainly other moments in the season where I felt really into Real Madrid's professionalism. I don't think I would have ever said it was grit and toughness, but that we were talking a lot in the er- er- earlier in the season about Real Madrid's... Uh, you know, kind of intensity and, and drive and just professional conduct in that regard. But right, I don't think I would ever have described it as gritty. You know, and actually I think that's one of the things I have an issue with this team is that um, it's a little bit too technical and maybe not enough uh, aggression, and that's what I liked seeing from Sergio Ramos because if there's one player on the team who really right. brings that aggression, it's Sergio Ramos. He has no fear. He has no no qualms about putting his body on the line. He'll do anything for the team. You know, I don't think that you're ever going to get anywhere by outgridding Atleti. a Simeone team. No, no. I think because- we beat them Tactically, we beat them tactically. And it was the first time in, in a year that we've said that, right? Because he's been getting the best of yeah. Madrid his entire tenure as manager uh, until this last game. 
but I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's grit. I don't think we out grit Simeone yeah. teams. Uh, I, I don't know if I have been so impressed. I mean, I think no. there have been a couple a couple of games. This I think professionalism is a much better way of putting it. Than, the than intensity hasn't been there, and we've been yeah. we've been annoyed at that. I mean, we were castigating them. Look at the Real Sociedad game at the beginning of the season. Look at the Real Sociedad game at the beginning of the season. That's not, that was bad, but I mean, but that was early on. I mean, yeah. but also if you look at this key little little run, we would be sitting pretty at the top of the table if we hadn't dropped points against teams that we be, should be Sevilla, like this is. Yeah, and 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 Athletic Bilbao no, so, so, were yeah, struggling. Athletic, you know, I mean, I mean, those are just games that a champion has to win. I mean, if you're favored to win the game, and the other team, the Athletic is not Bilbao well, game was particularly egregious for me. Yeah, you got to just is like, uh, uh, you know, you know, you have to win. You're the better team. Everyone knows you're the better team. You have better you players, right? You just got to go there and you got to win. And to not do that, you know, it was disappointing. And it's not like Athletic played that well. No. So it was frustrating. So, you know, I, uh, no is the answer. I think that one thing that maybe people on our site tend to forget, which I always find amusing, is that sometimes, like, we're not the Mighty Ducks guys. We're the bad guys from the Mighty Ducks sometimes. We're, right. we're the big team. We have the money. <laughs> we're the storied legacy we're team. The, we're the Iceland you know. hockey team in Mighty yeah. Ducks too. Right. Like, and, yeah. and these like little plucky teams are trying to, trying to stop us. Right. And that's fine. You don't have to feel bad about liking yeah, don't the embarrass. I, I, there's a, there's a huge dialogue of underdog <laughs> favoritism in the United States, but you know, don't feel bad. You're, you're fans of a team. You, you know, there's no, we're not, we're not underdogs here. We're not. Like, there's no, there, I, I don't think, and that's the whole point, right? There's, I don't, that's why this team is so amazing. That's why this team that we've constructed is so amazing with this, you know, with this group of players over the last couple, you know, last, couple years that I don't think there's a team in the in the world that we're underdogs against. I mean, maybe Bayern right now. and Which is interesting, Josh. I just want to have a really quick aside to say that betting houses are favoring Barca in that matchup. In which matchup? Against uh, Bayern? In the semifinals, yeah. Yeah, I think that's mistaken. But I, if I were putting money on it, I would put money on Bayern. <laughs> well, I think, that, well, I think we should put our money where our mouth is and go right now and bet on it. I think we should because I think it's not even a question. Like, look, I don't mean you it's not even a question, but I think, it's, I, think it's, I think that the odds should be 60-40 for Bayern, and right now the odds are 51-49 for Barza. Oh, you think we should both bet on it? Is that yeah, not we should both put 10. It's- oh, right. Uh, we okay. don't bet on sports. <laughs> 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 wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um <laughs> Uh, so let's take. Although, as my as my brother once said, if if like March Madness pools are illegal, then like half. Of oh the right, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point. No, it's it's really good. I uh, maybe it's well, anyways. I don't you know. I don't have much more to say about betting, but I do think that yeah. if I really do believe that there's a mistake in the line there, and I think I may uh, I may put. Well, I think the mistake is that it. they thought that you know because Bayern lost the first leg against Porto that they're not. Not on the level, but like that's not that's not an accurate measure. And they showed that when they were five nil up against Porto inside the first half, missing three or four regular starters. So I, mean, I, I saw a hilarious joke that was just a picture of um, two of the players on the German national team, like hugging after one of the goals, and one of the, and the caption was like, it was all in Spanish, but it was something along the lines of. So is this the Brazilian national team we're playing against? No, no, no. They're just Porto, but they do speak the same language. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, all right. Have, um, so Vam Shidhar uh, at Vam Shidhar Red eighteen. 
uh, asks us, the midweek game uh, affected us against Celta. Should we concentrate on Champions League by resting players versus Sevilla? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure, they man. I'm win. not sure. You yeah. gotta... We are at this position right now where all Barca has to do is draw a game, and if we win that same week, we are the he- we are the leaders, right? You cannot give up on the Liga when it's like that. I also it's think there's a possible we- argument that it's good for us in the Champions League, too, because it uh, puts pressure on them to keep winning their Liga games coming into their Champions League game. If we drop points at right. Sevilla, they know that they can afford to lose a game. Yeah. yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point because if they drop points at Sevilla, if we drop points at Sevilla, that means that Barcelona can actually lose a game and still be up uh, uh, by at least one, yeah. and uh, that's that's huge. And uh, so we we really we really have to, and that way they can go into the Bayern matchup with much more confidence. And yeah, so we I really also should. think you know, I mean, uh, the <sighs> winning a back to back Champions League is going to be very difficult. We still have to win two ties, but we could win a league title essentially in one week. If in one week, if Barcelona slip up against probably the only one they're going to slip up against Atleti. is Atleti. But they may but, very well do that. You got to remember that that is that is not a gimme game for Barca just because they have actually beaten Atleti. Atleti has a lot of pride still on the line in, in, in this Liga. They're the they're defending champions. They will not roll over, and they're a good team. So. I don't know. I, I, I really don't think this is... They're a very good game. team, and they have nothing else to play for. Right. The only thing they have to play for is pride, and they're going to try to win every game, I yes, think. Yes, they will. Uh, uh, it will put them in a weird position, though. I mean, we did talk about what would happen if they're put in the position of, like, win against Barca or hand us the league title. Yeah. I, I don't think they would throw it, but you just never know. Yeah. So um, Sahil Jain asks us um, sh- at Management Madrid, should we buy Chicha for next season? I got to well, tell Ancelotti you. Well, just came out and said, you know, if he keeps playing like this, we'll have to. Yeah. Uh, and he is, I mean, he. there are a lot of stories that say he was, you know, weeping and all this stuff about being a backup. And if that's really true, then I'm not sure how happy I am with that. Just on yeah. a, you know... On, we, we're not buying Chicharito to be a starter on this team, and we're buying him with the idea that he will come in and play to Copa games at most, and he'll come in with ten minutes, and we'll hope to have him poach. That's 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 what we're paying for him, and like, and to have to have him do what he did this time. If one of like we have our strikers go down, have him forced into the match to have him provide energy. And 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 entrega, you know, and you know he he that he went to bleed for the crest, right? And that I believe that he can do that. But if he's really upset about, not happy about the way the things are well, going, then he won't sign. Backup. Like, yeah. then he won't sign. That that's the answer, right? But apparently, we have, we have an option on him, so we could buy him for ten million euro, uh, and no one else has a say in it. It's, it's part of his loan contract. Well, I don't I don't hate the deal. I'm not. Yeah, I don't hate know, it either. I think that it's 10 hard million to say. for a for a backup who actually cares about the team is not bad. Yeah, I think it's it's hard to say. It, it depends on the rest of the transfer strategy, but you know, and I don't think this is going to happen, but I think it's certainly possible that we could sell him for more than 10 million. So, um, there are certainly other teams sniffing around now that he has raised his stock. 
and you know how much strikers can go for. But I don't think that we will wind up buying him and selling him out in the same summer. Yeah. So this another question from from the same account. Sahil Jain asks us: uh, Assuming David de Gea comes, would you rather have Casillas or Navas as a backup? And I actually have a Navas. It's got to be Navas. Navas. It's not even a question, and it's but not I don't because want I think Casillas is sad. is bad. I, I genuinely think that Casillas does not accept the role of a backup, and we've seen it that he he forced Mourinho out, I think, and he forced, you know, uh, you know, we, he he's forced he, he's caused a huge amount of uh, he's fought, caused a huge amount of drama in his. I'm just gonna say it. I just think so. I, I I know that there are other factors in play here, but I think that Casillas is at least partially at fault for a lot of the drama that goes on around Madrid at, at different yeah. parts of the, of the campaign. I, I mean, you, you, people don't maybe uh, remember, but we used to be big supporters of Casillas. You know, we loved watching him for Spain and for, for Real Madrid, San Iker. You know, he was making these great stops week in and week out. And we had some criticisms about his ability to marshal a defense in right. this area, which were always issues. Right. But when it got, when he, you know, and, we, and when he broke his hand and when, when Mourinho benched him, we were, um, we were upset uh, on his behalf. But then his behavior, you know, since then has just been, you know, been kind of disgraceful and also been very contrary to the interests of the club in, in a way right. that... You wouldn't expect it. Like Raul would never have done that, for example. You know, so just because you're a club legend doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want, and that we have to give you a place on the team when you don't deserve it, and all that other kind of stuff. Like, obviously, it's great to keep club legends around. You, you got to wonder whether maybe he's burned a lot of bridges that um, by not leaving, that he otherwise could have come back and probably had a great position higher up in the club. And now you just wonder whether that's even possible for him, right? So let's maybe not a good decision on his part. No. Um, um, all right, Nas Habib uh, asks us. I know many were against buying Hamas due to price, uh, uh, Angel Di Maria, etc. Sure. What do you guys think of him now in this team? I, you know, I've already made my myself clear on this. I'm a huge, huge fan. I, I really do think that he brings a totally different look to this this offense, and um, I think that he should be, you know, on the pitch every match. Uh, yeah. without without uh, much of a question. I like Hamas a lot, um, and I think he's great on this team. I still stand by my notion that we shouldn't have bought him because I think that he was crazy overvalued, and um, he's a great player, but. That kind of fee was just not warranted. The only reason for the fee was because he had just moved to Monaco the year before. Um, there were plenty of other players in the World who were Cup, not of that, who were not in that situation. And the World Cup, and I, I kind of hate the idea of just paying for something because they had you know a couple of good games. In the World Cup, no, and that hasn't worked out very well for Madrid. Uh, no, it has, hasn't. But um, it seems to and, have done and, pretty well this time, and that's a gamble. And, and then also forcing on Angel Di Maria, I, I didn't think was a good idea. Uh, you know, Angel Di Maria also adds a certain uh, verticalidad, you know, yeah. <laughs> to the to Madrid's attack that has been missing this season. And you know, I know he hasn't been playing well in Manchester, but I don't think that says anything about how he would be playing here. No, I, I don't at, think so. At Real Madrid, so uh, you know, yeah, I, I, I basically think that Real Madrid's transfer some strategy in the summer was really flawed for a number of reasons. You know, letting Suarez go to Barcelona. Um, which is not a good, not a good plan. He would have been great at Real Madrid. Uh, 
spending the money on Hamas. But now that we've got him, I'm, I'm delighted. He's fantastic. I, I love him. He's my, he's my favorite. He's so he's so adorable. I know, right? You know, he's, he's got that like very charming smile, and I'm sure he's fantastic commercial. You know, I got to tell oh you, my he, God, he reminds so me, uh, and this is going to alienate some people, I'm sure, because it's a baseball reference. But he reminds me of a young Derek Jeter on the Yankees. He oh, just comes so out every oh. single game with this huge grin. He just seems really happy to be there. I just, I you can't hate a player he's like so that. Humble, you know? you know? Yeah. I don't know. I just like it. I yeah. think, and I think he's uh, he's very marketable. Yeah. You know, clearly you've seen, and, and we've all seen a lot of. Uh, I'm sure there are a lot of Colombian fans who've come to Managing Madrid because I, I feel like a lot of Hamas supporters have have emerged, uh, which is great. So I, I think he's brought a lot of fans to Real Madrid, and he's raised our presence in South America, which is really important. So. You know, I'm happy. I, I can, I can, I, I'm happy. Happy with it. So I, we're gonna. I, I, I don't think it was a good idea at the time, but I, I'm pleased that we have it. Now. Yeah. Uh, Alan Vong at Haunted underscore FCS says, uh, "What formation should we play with Bale and Benzema against a team with a heavy midfield in Juventus?" Remember, Juventus plays a. Um, I think with a with a five man midfield in the three five two. Well, it just sort of depends. They sometimes play. Three central defenders. Sometimes they play right. four at the back, though. So we we don't know what they're going to. It's a good line. question, uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I actually don't know what the answer to this is. I think that at the end of the day, most of the time, Madrid is going to stick with our game plan. And you know, I don't. You know, I think that it's possible that we could make an adjustment with that, but. I would play. I mean, personally, I I play in this type of a match a four four two, but I think that it's likely that yeah. Carletta will play a four like the four 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 well, four, actually, three, four four two hybrid right. that he's been going with. So this is a kind of uh, chick, uh, this is kind of rock paper scissors problem because the conventional wisdom, and obviously it's a lot more complicated than that, is that the three man defense plays well against a two man attack like a four four two. Right. Good point. And that a four at the back. Uh, plays better against a, a, a three-man attack. Because the idea is that you have one spare man at the back. In each circumstance, so right. Yeah. So, in theory, a 4-3-3 four, three, three three is better. very good against a 3-5-2. Uh, a so, it's just a little reductionist. But you could imagine that uh, how those those teams line up might be dependent on right, how right. coaches think the other, t- the other one's going to play. And whether... You know, Ancelotti will try to play a reactive or a kind of proactive uh, policy. That is to try to sort of force them to accommodate themselves, change their game plan right. against us, or whether uh, and, and you know sort of impose our vision on them, or whether we're going to play a kind of approach right. tailored right. to them. And I think it will, a lot will depend on the fitness of the players involved. Like we might may just be forced to play a different formation than the one we want because we don't have the players available. Uh, so. In the same vein, so let's just continue talking about this. Ashraf at Ashraf Alazadi asks us, uh, what do you think Carlo will do with the lineup for the Champions League? That means if Modric is not Mac, does Ramos go in the midfield again? No, 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 no. The Ramos in the midfield is not going to happen again, I don't think. Uh, It's possible uh, just because I don't think he's going to try and let him end the again anytime soon, although we just but, don't But it'll know. be Hamas, Isco, and, and Kroos, right? Kroos. Yeah, that's a little lightweight against Juventus. He might be well, forced Well, it depends on if... if I mean, I, I know that Vidal on, could run yeah. rampant against that midfield, but I'm just... 
I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I think it, that it, it really depends. And you know, if it were me, I'm playing. If it were me, and I don't know what I think that my first game is actually in Turin, so we would. I would go with the very attacking lineup uh, away from home, and maybe if we are up a goal with an away goal, maybe go with a more conservative lineup. But I'm not sure. Um, it's a dangerous game. I'm, I'm, I'd like to see how Bale is doing at that time. Uh, I'd like okay, to assuming, see that midfield yeah, play yeah, with Bale assuming again. Assuming Bale is back, etc. Uh, it's a little bit lightweight for me. I mean, I think we've yeah. talked before about how Bale does is supposedly tucking in in defense, but, but just doesn't really, really do right. that much. So, or that when he does, he gets uh, criticized to an extent that he doesn't want to as much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it's a bit tricky. So Kevin uh, at Cloudburst two seven five four asks us: Is it more? Is it me, or is Cristiano becoming more unselfish in the past few weeks? He'd make a good playmaker. So Kevin, I want to tell you, Cristiano Ronaldo had one of the highest assist totals. Uh, of his entire career at Manchester United, it was his breakout year, and he wasn't a goal scorer then, so he is a playmaker. Uh, and I, you know, I've always thought of Cristiano as a person who creates goals. And when you think about creating goals, it doesn't just mean scoring them; it means creating them for others. And he's always been good at that. So I appreciate that 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 this is the way people are viewing him now because I've always thought of him that way. He. Has he's not been in that formation where you know he's messy and he has he's supposed to create chances for others because that's what the Pep Guardiola Barcelona looked like. He's in a he's been in a system where he has been the number one goal scoring option and he's still created a bunch of goals for other people. So, I uh, yeah I I yeah he is a I, I'm not saying is he he'd make a good playmaker. He is a good playmaker, right? So this is uh, yeah, this is he's not a top playmaker in the in the classic number ten sense. No, no, no. But no. he's a playmaker in this sort of unique kind of um, roving, attacking, left sided. No, it's just hard to it's hard sense. to think of what yeah. the modern game has, in, at least on attack. I think has evolved to the point where it's hard to decide whether Cristiano Ronaldo is a striker or a winger, and really, it just. Easier to he's think of him as a forward. And yeah, he's he a creates, forward. He's, he creates he's for a, himself, he creates for others. So. He's a left-sided forward, I would guess. It would be my preferred nomenclature. But who knows? Um, yeah, no, I, he's always been somebody who, who can be involved in the play. And I think he, he's he been more or less involved uh, at different stages of his career in terms of how often he's been sort of trying to get himself in a position to score versus play in other people. And uh, against Atleti in particular in the last game, he dropped quite deep to uh, get the ball. Uh, right. So that might have been more dramatic. Right. But, you know, that was just because there wasn't a lot of space. Right. Uh, and that's what you want to see. Yeah, I agree. All right, last two questions because it's um, been a, <laughs> it's a been long, a long podcast. podcast, guys. This is uh, yeah. it's good, though. It's been a good week. So, um, And then know. I've got one little tidbit. Oh, good. Okay. Well, all right. Here are the last two questions that are related. Uh, David John Pignate at DJP underscore three asks us, is Isco part of Real Madrid next season? And uh, our Madrid State at our Madrid State asks us, ideal starting lineup next season. I'm not sure I want to go into the ideal starting lineup when we don't know what players we're going to have, but that is related to the question about Isco. So my guess, right, is that there's no way that Florentino lets Isco leave uh, next season. I really hope not. I really don't. Uh, That would be very foolish. I just don't but think I, so. I, I, I think, think it's more likely if that you someone get rid like of Bale leaves than the can, can, can you really see uh, the Spanish public 
you know, exactly. That's exactly why Sotheo's allowing, you know, being okay with getting rid of the two, you know, main Spanish, two of the the main Spanish players on the, the starting four, lineup. Right. I, I just don't know. And if especially with Carvajal going to the that, bench, you know, possibly with Danilo possibly, coming in. Yeah, do you really nice. imagine a Real Madrid team? I mean, with David De Gea coming in, you know, that would be a slightly different situation. Yeah, that softens the blow. But uh, I don't imagine a Real Madrid without that like that many Spanish players. That's just fundamentally and, it. And, I, and the other thing I is, I think like, it hurts he, the brand too much in Spain. Yeah, he, he he boosts the brand in Spain. I think that is very important consideration. Um, Spain is, you know, one of the major markets for Real Madrid. Shocker. <laughs> you know, we talk about other other markets, you know, abroad, but uh, it is very important. And Casi and sort of Isco captures the imagination outside of it. Also, I think people realize that he's an incredible talent and that there are not going to be many like him. Yeah, um, I agree. If Spain get really, really good, you know, that's that's who you want right. you know, on your team. You want to take some of the credit for that. I think Real Madrid were, were unhappy that Barcelona got so much of the glory of the, the World Cup. Of yeah. the, the World Cup and the, and Although the, that doesn't happen without Casillas making that save against Robin. Oh yes, it's a very good save. So and a, c- a couple good penalty saves. Oh yeah, no, no, and that even before that, right, the save against Chile in the in the, oh, yeah. the Octos, right, that was huge. Well, and then and then in the European Championship as well, he made some. Great- oh, actually, you know what? There's another question. <laughs> I forgot about this. Oh, this is a good one. So many questions. All right. No, no, no. This is, no, this is, just, this is a jokey one. Uh, so our at uh, Juventus uh, Juventus Espionation blog asks, uh, at Juventus Nation, black and white and red all over. My favorite name of any blog. Uh, in the explanation uh, ambit of blogs, uh, asks us is black and white and red all over your favorite SBN Twitter account? Uh, and <laughs> we do adore you guys, uh, though. I think that, uh, and I think that I don't really use. Yeah, I know. Josh, I don't you, follow you're not in any this, of this conversation. So I'm going to let you handle this one. Right. I I I love the explanation Twitter. You know, universe. Uh, I really enjoy all of our different Italian blogs. I think they do a great job. I, lo- I really enjoy the Napoli blog, uh, Siren Song. Uh, and I really enjoy – I also really do enjoy Bavarian Football Works, our Bayern blog. Um, but uh, yeah, you guys have the best name I think. It's my favorite, it's my favorite name in, in, in the whole thing. Although again – Man, it's 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 and good stuff. Maybe I, we can do some good crossover work with them when the when yeah the yeah yeah we will we will we'll have we'll have some stuff with them uh, before the, maybe even on the podcast. Man, that'd be exciting. So uh, I just have a, a little tidbit to share before we finish up. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but Dani Alves, of Barcelona defender, mm-hmm. uh, posed for a photograph uh, with uh, in which he called for recognition of the Armenian genocide. Uh-huh. Uh, Hundredth anniversary right. happened recently, which good is man. good. Good man. He then apologized what? after Turkish Barcelona supporters yelled at him, and then the Barcelona oh. administration, who were sponsored by Turkish oh, airlines, no. Oh, no. forced him to apologize to his Turkish fans for causing offense at pointing out the fact that the Turks <laughs> murdered tons of people a hundred years ago. I am so horrified at this. It's just shocking. I mean, like, can you imagine for a second if he had? Uh, had to apologize for Holocaust Remembrance Day or something like that. Yeah, that's horrifying. That's so, horrifying. So, you know, Mexican club, guys. Uh, <laughs> I just want to say, well, I guess we see where their bread is buttered. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, definitely more than a club. More than a club. Their, their sponsors really, really do. 
really but do exert recall, a large influence. Well, we, we don't pretend to player to a, to to kowtow to <laughs> to like Holocaust denial. Good point. You know, I so, mean, you know, yeah. <laughs> I just thought I'd share that little tidbit. No, I like it. I like it. It's a it's a it's a little bit of a downer way to. No, it's not. It's a funny <laughs> way to end the podcast. Though. I will say that. Uh, and uh, but with that <laughs> and this one, you know. Uh, our p- and 20 plus minute podcast will come to an end. I hope that everyone enjoyed it. We'll, ha- we'll be back next week. Uh, Josh, it'll be a little bit harder for me to find time next week, but uh, we will find time. It may have to even o- be over the weekend for me because I have exams all next week, which is a nightmare. But guess what? It's my last exam period ever. So that's Ooh, exciting. Uh, and so, yeah, guys. Um, it's exciting, man. It's a great time to be to be a fan. These last couple years have been amazing, and this last week was amazing. So, um, yeah, it's great. All right, Josh, good talking to you. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right.